Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. It was an epic Sunday for Sam Burns as he finished strong to close out his second win of the year at the Sanderson Farms Championship. He led the field in strokes gained off the tee. And after securing the victory, he said, quote, I switched to the new Callaway Epic Speed a few months ago, and it's really been a game changer for me. I think as well as I drove it this week, it just set me up for a lot of second shots on these holes, and it was a lot easier going into the greens. That was huge having that in the bag this week. Well said. For more on the Epic Visit CallawayGolf.com. Lav, uh, it was a surprisingly busy news week, given the fact that we are in the fall. This should be the sleepy part of the schedule. But I wanted to start with where everyone is talking. The beef is over. Match five. We get Brooks and Bryson. I thought the beef was actually going to be over on Sunday at the Ryder Cup when, at the urging of Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau, hugged it out. They both had successful weeks. Obviously, the Americans... Uh, cruise to victory it seemed like any leftover tension from their summer of discontent at that point was over and now rex i gotta say with the match five now in the books the day after thanksgiving uh at the win in las vegas this just feels a little bit gross to me it's i i I do think there was genuine there was genuine disdain at least in one direction in brooks kepka's direction flowing towards bryce DeChambeau. i think there was genuine disdain there uh, there might still be, um, but now they're just monetizing their, their beef. It feels gross. We wanted this settled on a Sunday, preferably at a major, and instead we're going to get this 12-hole event made for TV where all these guys are going to be looking at is, is padding their wallets. Yeah, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit lame. It's a little bit gross. Uh, I think both of us being wordsmiths in the communication business, I'll go with another word, yuck. The whole thing just feels yucky to me. I guess I look at this and you're right. Was it over at the Ryder Cup? Was there ever anything there to begin with? It is nine o'clock a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday morning. Brooks Kepka is going to speak with the media today from Vegas. And I'm, I'm going to write a column afterwards with the idea being like, look, this is good for Bryson. Let's let's be honest. We all felt sorry for the kid. If you didn't feel sorry for him after the things he had gone through again, much of it self-inflicted. I, I will own that until the day I die, but some of it wasn't self-inflicted. And if you didn't feel for him over the last few months and he's getting taunted with cries of Brooksy, and I don't think the PGA tour and Jay Monahan, the commissioner did him any favors, sort of singling him out the way a mom would at a little league practice. Don't pick on my son. It, it, that's really what it felt like. And, and so for it to end this way, yes, it's, it's great for Bryson. I'm sure he's going to be happy to hug it out. It's going to be happy to go out and play the 12 hole match. 
It's not good for golf, though. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and own it. Like, this has been good for golf. Whether if you like it or not, yuck, icky, whatever word you want to use, this has been on front pages. It's led websites. It's been on sports centers. It's whatever you want to point to as a metric to make golf more of a mass appeal event. This has done it. This has driven it. Like the Ryder Cup did its job, and you know people talked about it for a little while until it became a blowout. But outside of the Ryder Cup, I don't know anything else this year that has contributed to the popularity of the sport more so than Brooks and Bryson. I, I totally agree with you, Rex. I mean, contentiousness is at the heart of sports. It may have been a very one-sided rivalry, but Tiger and Phil was interesting because there were Tiger fans and there were Phil fans. Now, there, I, there at least seems to be a similar dynamic in that there's Team Brooks and Team Bryson. That sort of feud or that rivalry um, or that sort of bitterness between the two players is what makes them fascinating. And we wanted to see where this was going to go. Were they eventually going to lock horns uh, on Sunday in a big tournament was the were the USGA going to pair them together for Thursday Friday were they just going to kind of meet up organically at a regular PGA Tour event I know we'd be on the first tee kind of micro analyzing every little movement between these two players and, and instead they're just they're just throwing them out there I don't think it's necessarily going to even be good television Brooks Kepka uh, he, he seems to have a lack of interest in regular PGA Tour events and now you're going to put him in a, a pay-per-view event where he's going to be getting paid the same, regardless of how many words he says or how well he plays. Um, I don't think he's going to be fully engaged with this. Bryson, uh, bless his heart. Um, he kind of is cringe inducing when it comes to smack talk, as we saw uh, in the last edition of the match, this isn't going to be good television. This sort of diffuses whatever sort of drama uh, was, was propelling these two players. Uh, I I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you, Rex. Um, this was the easy way out. Um, and it was to, to use the word that you said, this is just a, this is just an icky way for this to end. Yuck. Although I'll give you credit, not once, but twice during that uh, explanation right there. You, you used the hardest word for me when it comes trying to say on air, what, what are you going to call the Texas Oklahoma game this week? The red river, what the red river rivalry. There you go. See, I couldn't do that to save nailed my life. It. I mean, that, you nailed it. Like three times, you've done it. I won't even try because I'll, I'll sound like I'm tip having the, some sort of Tip of, of the cap to you, good sir. Tip of the cap. Very impressive. No, you're right. It feels manufactured. All of these feel manufactured. I mean, and, and this goes back beyond the mats. This goes back to Sherwood and the matches between Tiger and, and Sergio Garcia and Phil and David Duvall and the rest of them. I don't mind the manufactured match the day after Thanksgiving. It gives people something to look at in between football games. I really don't mind that. I guess the point that I'm saying in this, if this is really going to be it, if Brooks is going to just sign off Twitter and be done with whatever it is he was doing, and he was being a bit of a bully, but it was entertaining. If this is going to be but the like, end, there was a there's there was a serious there was a seriousness to us, right? You think you think back six weeks ago, was there? Bryson 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 was, if you read certain reports. He was ready to knock out a fan who was taunting him over Brooksy. I mean, PG Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, you were sitting right there at Eastlake is coming out with these fan conduct policies that strictly prohibits the use of the word Brooksy in Bryson's direction. I mean, there was a seriousness to this tenor, and we were, we were, all, we were all clamoring for, for Brooks to do something, anything, to kind of turn down the temperature of this feud. I, I guess it ended up being... Steve Stricker, who basically called them both and told them to knock it off uh, just in the, in the interest of the red, white, and blue. I, I mean, so, yeah, you look at where this was six weeks ago. We were wondering, you know, 
how is this going to end? Is it going to end with a fan getting decked? Is it going to end with, with, with those two wrestling on the first tee? Is it going to end um, in some sort of drama on a major Sunday? We, we didn't know. And for it to just be manufactured and for them to boost their PIP score and for them to take home uh, seven-figure paydays um, for, for a 12-hole match, um, this, isn't, this isn't the way we wanted to see this go down. Uh, that's, that's all I like. We're, we're all going to watch. We have nothing to do anyway. We'll all be eating leftovers, uh, preferably of a smoked Turkey, um, and, and football rivalry Saturday uh, is, that is, again. is, is wow. a day later. Like we're all, we're all going to watch this. Um, but to me, it's just kind of lame. I'm not going to lie. Well, in the quiet corners of the internet started to whisper, right when this was probably at its heat, you know, somewhere early in the playoffs, let's say about, oh, this is manufactured. They did this for the pit money. They did this to create some sort of match, whatever the case may be. I always had a hard time believing that because anyone who watched the video of Brooks at Kiwa Island during the PGA Championship, that did not feel orchestrated. That did not feel like this was something that they had no, worked I think, on. I think, this, Brooks, I, think, I think Brooks I, genuinely no. dislikes Bryson. Yes, there, there is a genuine distaste, which leads me to believe that, okay, he's going to swallow this for a payday at the match and a win at the Ryder Cup or whatever the case may be. So I wonder how deep the hatred ran to begin with. I'm still just going to sit on the side of the fence of this is too bad. I mean, because you're either a Brooks guy or you're a Bryson guy. Like, I love the idea that we had this sort of nouveau rivalry. Hey, I did it. How about me? Yeah, you nailed I, it. Way to go. Yes. Hey, hey, kiddo, good job on you. I, I love the fact that we had this because for, for so long you were a Tiger guy, you were a Phil guy, and, and you knew that there was probably no love loss between those two. I don't think there was genuine hatred, but there was no love loss. This was giving golf something fresh and something new, and it is kind of disappointing. I understand why they're doing it. I get it. I'm with you. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to eat the bad leftovers and, and enjoy it as much as I can. What I'm not going to enjoy, though, is a situation where – they hug it out and it's going to be over and we don't get to talk or write about it anymore. I guess selfishly, that's what I'm hating. I mean, we're already seeing just like the, the filthiness come out of this match. Like you're seeing the canned managers putting their tweets out like, Oh, is this make it friends giving, or this is the matchup we all wanted to see. And, and brands are getting activated and sponsors are getting into it. And there's Instagram posts and there's Twitter posts. Like it's all just, it's all just gross. And I wish I wish they had just leaned into this a little bit more. Like the rivalries, the showdowns, the contentiousness, that is what fuels the sport. We don't have that in golf right now. If, if anything, the criticism of pro golf these days is that it's too chummy, right? Like, I mean, how many years do we have to hear about Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas being good friends? John Rahman, we're going to probably get into um, him later in this podcast when we do buy, sell, or hold. Uh, for stock for the 2021-22 season, like he doesn't appear to have a rival at, at this moment. There isn't that sort of dramatic tension and competitive tension between the top players in the world, except we had that this summer, and they're basically just blowing it so they can get five million bucks. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just disappointing. That's, a, I guess, I, I keep saying the same thing. I'm just, I'm just disappointed that it came to this. Like, I, I think it would have been better. Rex, if it wasn't mano a mano, if it wasn't one on one, I feel better if you know maybe Justin Thomas and Phil were thrown in the mix and it was kind of a two on two match. Then I would 
I would think there still could be, you know, a little bit of tension heading into 2022 where it's going to go from here, but to literally just settle it one-on-one where they've got, where they're mic'd up for competition and they're forced to then kind of confront this in what's going to be a very silly and gimmicky way. Um, yeah. Bummer. Bummer for sure. I think you touched on the one thing that's going to make me tune in the most though. The idea of Phil Mickelson doing an entire broadcast, let's face it, he's heading for the booth for whoever he's going to work for. Let's hope it's for us, NBC Golf. But whoever he's going to work for, he's going to be our Tony Romo, in my opinion. He's the one that's going to show up and redefine the job and and, and just be the person that adds so much to the telecast that people want to watch golf who maybe maybe would not have watched golf before. I'm curious. Like, it's only 12 holes. I mean, that's the part that makes me wish, man, I wish it was 36, because I want to see Phil in the booth for as long as I possibly can. So we had it. We had a taste of Phil in the booth. I'm actually glad you brought this up because we can segue a little bit. Uh, we had Phil in the booth, the 2020 PGA. Remember, like he popped the yeah. booth with Jim Nance um, at Harding Park, and that felt very took much over like, a, the like an audition. Yeah, like it yeah. felt like an audition. He was kind of slamming uh, the incumbent in that chair, which was which is Nick Faldo. There was some uh, speculation, some media reports, and, and Steve Loy, um, Mickelson's longtime agent, came out and said, "Like, yeah." Definitely. Broad, broadcasting is in Phil's future, probably in the next two or three years. Like he just put it out there and then Phil wins the PGA championship. And now he's got exemptions for the next five years. Obviously his play the rest of the year, um, signal that was more of a fluke than perhaps a, a late career resurgence. So I am curious and I want to get, I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, Phil's going to get a chance. There is now a vacancy on the NBC golf team with bones uh, moving over for Justin Thomas, replacing his longtime caddy, Jimmy Johnson. So Bones is back inside the ropes, if you missed that news. Who are some of the current players, the active players, maybe some players in the PGA Tour champions, besides Phil, that you would love to see get into golf commenting? Because I'm, I'm with you. Phil is an absolute home run in the booth. He would be a reason to tune in uh, on the weekends if you didn't already have a reason to watch golf. I think we've had this conversation before. Graham McDowell immediately comes up and and see i, I love has- i love gmap but i don't know if he would i don't know if he would excel in that role he's kind of like he's kind of like brandle like i want to listen to brandle talk for two or three minutes consecutively like that's how i think he makes his best like his best presentation he's not gmac yeah, no is very much like. in the gmac yeah gmac is not going to give you a 10 10 to 15 second rip so yeah I'm, I'm with you with gmac but he might need to be like essays as opposed to calling holes but you're assuming that he can't transition. Like, and we've seen folks go in and out of the booth and it, it, it's a, it's an acquired taste for whether if you like someone's personality or you don't like someone's personality, I think the case in GMAC, and I will say the same thing for Phil, Phil needs a little bit of runway. He's going to leave, need a little bit more space than Nick Faldo or Paul Azinger simply because we all, we've seen it for two decades now that when he starts talking, it's like he's you're pushing a large man down the hill. He's simply not going to stop on a dime the way a professional broadcaster would. And I truly believe that that's what's going to make him so good in the booth because he's going to get in these long conversations and explain to you exactly what you're seeing and why in a way that you probably are not going to get another way. As for Bones, I think, well, Bones is going to continue to work for NBC Golf, by the way. He's going to work uh, on some off weeks, including, I believe, this week in Vegas. He will be working as an on-course reporter as well. But, no, I think John would is also there i don't he's obviously he's on course he's not in the booth but beyond gmac in the booth i don't know rory when the time comes but that feels like a lifetime i mean that's 20 years away uh yeah i was thinking about this this past week i think i want to see monty 
Really? I think he'd, I think he'd be terrific <laughs> in some sort of TV role. He's done, he's done some stuff occasionally for Sky. Uh, I think he would be terrific. He's obviously a polarizing presence. Um, he's not afraid to criticize his peers, which is, I think, one of the uh, hallmarks of a good broadcaster. And it's w- maybe one of the knocks that we've seen on some of these analysts in the past is that they're still a little bit too chummy with the people that they're supposed to be covering. There needs to be some sort of uh, impartiality there. And we just haven't seen it. I think Monty would be unafraid and 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 say if maybe he teams up with Phil or if, if they split networks, whoever it is, I think Monty would be a terrific addition. I'd also love to see since there might, there may be a, a uh, on course reporter opening. I'd love to see Pat Perez in that role. Mm-hmm. Now you're probably going to need to have some sort of seven second delay seven um, or at least five. someone just, just, just hovering over a, a red button because he tends to get a little bit profane. Um, but he kind of reminds me of that prime David Faraday where he could just see something, say something funny, say something edgy. Um, and it, it kind of made the whole broadcast experience a little bit more enjoyable for the viewer. I think so too. Colt knows name came up a lot I, I think he's turned into a good asset for whoever he works for week in and week out I mean I think he does a great job uh, on both on air and on, in his podcast I think he's entertaining and again he can explain the game in a way and it's not easy to do you just we've discovered over time and we've seen this time and time again that you just can't take a good player and put a microphone in his hand and expect this to work that doesn't work in any other sport and of course it's not going to work for golf because there's going to be situations where you have a player that it feels like they're probably explaining it right to you feels like that's the way they understand it but it just doesn't come across to the normal and 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 just and just because you have hall of fame credentials doesn't mean you're going to be an entertaining listen like this is still an entertainment product at its core like yeah we want to know the nuances of a shot we want someone who has been there and done that but but you also have to have personality you have to be willing to say something and that has has kind of been a a tough formula to, to to find over the past couple of years, for sure. And I think we had this conversation uh, two weeks ago at the Ryder Cup, and we were just on a random dinner one night. We were talking about Dan Orlovsky in the NFL and the way he has brought – Huge golf fan. Huge golf fan. Uh, I believe he follows both of us on Twitter, does he not? What a, what a fool, but, but yes, I think, I think he does. Yes, yes, what a fool. Uh, but just what he brings to that job, to that role, you kind of haven't seen that before. He, he does it in such a way, and it's so impressive – and it's so insightful that you're right. He's like Brando. I want to hear him talk for three and four minutes at a time. I don't need to hear 10 seconds. Like, please give me the whole course. I just don't want the little snippet. I, I feel I'm going to feel the same way about Phil. I really think Phil's going to come into the job and do it that way. At Delta, we know Mike and HC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Rex Less Trend. This is this is a little bit of a sleepy part of the tour season, the beginnings of this wraparound season. We'll we'll have to see how how much longer the wraparound is uh, part of this PGA Tour schedule moving forward. But Sam Burns uh, wins at the Sanderson Farms about two and a half hours um, for his friends and family. Are he said he had a lot of them in attendance as he. Overcame Sahif Thagala, former uh, Haskins Award winner, uh, as a top player in another college good, golf. Another, another um, it was broadcaster, good one there for you. Yeah, another 
Another two points I've, for you. I'm really, I'm really on my A game. Uh, but we saw a lot of Corn Ferry Tour graduates kind of getting a head start on their PJ Tour season. It was great to see them uh, playing well, including Cameron Young, who tied for second. I know you're a big fan of Sam Burns. Um, Sam Burns had a terrific year last year. If you forgot, of course, he won at the Valspar Championship. But I was a little bit surprised to learn. I mean, it, yeah, it definitely seemed like he was up there a lot. But last season, Sam Burns, at the age of 25, he led the tour in 36-hole co-leads with five. And he shared with Jordan Spieth the most 54-hole leads on tour with four. And so Sam Burns, like I just mentioned, had only converted one of those four opportunities, and that was at the Valspar Championship uh, as part of the uh, spring schedule. But I think all of those experiences that he had in crunch time, feeling that pressure, knowing how to handle himself uh, between the ropes when he faces a little bit of adversity, I think it's making him more comfortable. And you saw that play out in Mississippi, shooting 65 67 on the weekend. It just seemed like he was going to win that tournament. He didn't blink. He didn't waver. And he ripped off a couple birdies on the back nine to win. He's now inside the top 20 in the world ranking. The arrow is clearly pointing up on Sam Burns. What are your thoughts on kind of the ascension that we've seen out of him over the past year, year and a half? There were three things that came up when I watched this on Sunday. First, I don't know if there's a better ball striker in the game right now. And that's saying something because you don't spend, I don't stop it. Stop well, it. If you kind of look, well, I'll go with long Stop iron play. I'll, I'll, no, long iron play I'll give to Morikawa. He's your boy. And statistically, I believe that's correct. So long iron play. I would statistically, give to him. He's, he's not just my boy. Stati- he, is, he is the PJ Tours statistical boy. He's, like he is, he's, every, he's leading he's that by one very wide margin. But if you look at what Sand did last week, 63 of 72 greens in regulation. That's obviously first in the field. But the one that got me was he gained 14 strokes, four, uh, two touchdowns on the field, tee to green which is almost 15, actually, which is an astronomical number when you look at it historically. I mean, he didn't putt great. I mean, if you look at it statistically, probably shouldn't have won. Like anyone who's going to break down those odds, you're probably not going to go, okay, that guy's going to win. What he did, tee to green, it, it blows you away. And I think it gives you an idea of the type of player he can be. And the second thing that I, I wanted to point out, and I was working on a story I continue to work on about the PIP, and I've teased you this. I don't know when I'm ever going to get to it. But one of the things that came up, the one that stands out is of the five categories used to create the PIP, one of them is, is Nielsen ratings. And it's the one that you can closely tie to any sort of competitive element because the Nielsen's only count during the network telecast on the weekend, which means you're probably only going to be seen, unless you're Ricky Fowler or Jordan Spieth, by and large, on the weekend during the network telecast if you're in the lead or somewhere close to the lead. So when you break down those statistics – that's the only one of the five that they use that you can say has a competitive element to it at all. Sam Burns was second on that list when I was talking to people. Think that through. This was to your point. How many times he put himself into contention this year? He was second in the Nielsen ratings for golfers this season. Well, last season. Obviously. That's still like – that That makes me skeptical, first of all, of the entire uh, pit process that, that Sam Burns was second – in the Nielsen race, he may have had the most co-leads along with, with Jordan Spieth, but there were, mul- there were several players who won multiple times, including Patrick Henley, who had four wins. How is it possible that Sam Burns was second in Nielsen when he didn't show up at the majors and he didn't convert, or he converted just one of those four Sundays? That doesn't make any sense. 
it's hard to believe. It's hard to wrap your mind around when I was told this, but it, it speaks to one. He, he was consistent. Now, he didn't close out as much as you probably would have wanted. And you're right. It's staggering when you think of the players that we had on tour this season and the fact that we had a legitimate player of the year race and all of the things that went into that, that Sam Burns would be two on that list. I, I don't know how much trust I give to that list, but it does speak to his consistency on the weekend in a PGA Tour event, and that says something. So are you saying that Sam Burns should up his social media game because uh, if his Nielsen rating is to be believed, he would be in line for some serious pip money if, if he just had a better social media team? I, I can't get into Meltwater and MVP and Index. I can't get into that right now. Again, this is down the road, just something I, I wanted to throw out there. And the, the third thing that struck me as I'm watching Sam on Sunday afternoon go to what seemed like a pretty easy victory was he was the first guy on the bench. For Stricker, we talked in last week's podcast just about the depth of the U.S. team and how the future looks so bright. Maybe he was the 14th player. I don't know. I, like, I, didn't, I don't know what Steve's thought process. Sam Burns was your 13th or 14th player on that U.S. team. And, and the one that stands out is the one that you've been crowing about for two years, Will Zalatoris. But his 14th. Where was he on that list? I mean, it's really impressive when you start breaking down the, the list beyond those 12 guys. And so, yeah, and like I think I made the point after the Ryder Cup, the Americans dominated. Like, I think the Americans B squad would have had a very competitive match. Against Who is the that? Give me the B squad. Give me, give me, give me the B. Give it to me. Well, it, it is it is interesting, Rex. Like the first two PGA Tour events have been won by guys who at least could have made a case for Ryder Cup inclusion. That was Max Homa who won in Napa, and then Sam Burns here uh, winning in, in Mississippi. Kevin Na. Is always very good at the Shriners. Unfortunately, he just had a WD uh, with a with a rib injury. Like it seemed like Kevin Na would be next in line at that point. Will Zalatoris, uh, you can make a very strong case for. I know there was a lot of confidence in Billy Horschel, especially after he won the BMW PGA. Kind of him being a bulldog. Kevin Kisner, one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. I mean, you could go on and on if you throw them on whistling straights against that. I mean, I guess it's kind of sad to say. That that you didn't even mention your boy Matt collection Wolf. of European players. I mean, Matt. I'm not sure I'd want Matt Wolf on that team right now, to be honest with not you. Not right now. No, no, he doesn't seem to be in a very good headspace. But to your point, you didn't even mention him. Right. I mean, the B squad and maybe even the C squad. If you got down Ooh. into the, the, I mean, I would. I would, all right. Here's here's another guy for the B squad. Jason Kopner said the thing. He said the thing. The C squad can beat Europe. That's going to be the headline. Um, I mean. That European team, maybe. Oh, if, if you if you if you stacked if you stacked your American C squad properly, I would and I would want them to be the biggest and the baddest hitters on the PJ Tour. Then yeah, if you had your Cam Champs, if you had your Jason Kokrax, if you had your Matt Wolfs, guys who could just absolutely send it. Yeah, I think I, I think I think it would at least be a competitive. Do you not? I'm trying to are save you, you from the, yourself here. Or do you want to take the Lee Westwoods and the Matt Fitzpatricks and the Terrell Hattons of the world? I, I feel like you're taking this one step too far. I was willing to go B squad, and somehow you 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 right, just the B, the B squad for sure. The B squad for sure. And if Steve Stricker played his cards right, I think the C squad could at least make it competitive. They might they might not win. But well, I'm not I, quite I think sure who you're putting 19... on the C squad is the problem here. Like I did, like maybe, I just maybe, asked maybe, for maybe the more than nineteen C to nine. Uh, oh, now you're even calling for a bigger blowout. All right, I'm going to save you from yourself. Uh, just, just stop it. Just, no, just, I'm, saying it just would, I'm saying it wouldn't be 19-9 if they lost. 
it would not be 19 to 9. I think the Americans, whatever the, the American second U.S. team would squad be. would not lose 19 to 9. Whatever the second U.S. The, team, the would second, be. I believe the second would win. The second would uh, win. It would, it would be a good match. It would be Sam Burns. It would be Billy Horschel. It would be Kisner. It would be Kevin Nye. It would be Max Homa. Probably Will Zelatoris. You know, and then you can start picking them off from there. Because you had a whole bunch of good players who were obviously left off this team. But that's the part that, that hit me from last week is Sam Burns is that good that he was 13. He's your 13th man. He was the guy that was going to get on a plane and fly the whistling straights in case someone got hurt. I got to believe, right? He was the guy. Um, I mean, the way Steve Stricker made it sound, it sounded like the toughest call was to Patrick Reed. I'm not sure if that was because he feared for his life or if he actually genuinely believed that Patrick Reed would have been on that team if not for the double pneumonia diagnosis. So, yeah, it seemed like Patrick Reed, uh, Billy Horschel, we would have been crowing about the same thing a couple of weeks ago after he won the BMW PGA. Like, boy, this, needs, this guy needs to be the reserve if Brooks Kepka is not healthy enough to go. I mean, yeah, the Americans are absolutely stacked. And that's why when I put you on the spot, either last week or the week before that, like which of these U.S. Ryder Cuppers is not going to be on the squad either in two years' time or even next fall at Quell Hollow for the President's Cup? I mean, that's those hard. are that's world-class tough. players. That's, they had eight of the top ten players of the world. You are banking on one of those players slipping and one of these players making just a gigantic leap, whether it's Sam Burns, who's already made a leap in this very – early season you could make the case that, that Will Zalatoris could make that leap maybe Max Homa uh is is primed and ready to make that leap we we don't we don't know at this point but the Americans are absolutely stacked they're not going anywhere um and and just like Max Homa said after one in Napa Sam Burns kind of echoed that sentiment that it was very motivating for him to receive that call that he did not make the team and so Sam Burns, um, I, I tweeted out and got a little bit of heat for it. Um, but but Team USA leadership, the, the, the brass, the, the Zach Johnsons and the Jim Furyk's and the Tiger Woods and the Phil Mickelson's and whoever else is going to kind of make up that Team USA leadership for Quell Hollow, they would be wise to start to get to know Sam Burns, learn his tendencies, learn who he might want to play with because he's going to be on that squad in 12 months' time. Before we transition to your buy sell, I didn't realize it was a third option for that until you just said it. I did want to ask, and it, hold. And it made me buy, buy, sell, and hold. Buy, sell, and hold. Don't okay. you don't you don't you go on the don't you play the stock market? What like what are you doing? Are you just kind no, of I do not. Four hundred one k. I do. Yeah, I'm just banking on the four hundred one k. I'm trying to figure out how to turn a five thousand dollars four hundred one k into a five thousand dollars four hundred one k. But before we move off, what happened last week at the Sanderson Farms? There was a moment of happiness when I was writing my fi- Friday column as I was going down the leaderboard. And looking at some of the stories, I don't think I realized how much I missed a rookie class last year on the PGA Tour. And there was no promotion or relegation because of the pandemic two seasons ago. So last year, there, there were technically two rookies, Will Zalatoris. But the only way to get there is to play your way on it as a non-member. This year, there are 27 players. And you had one of them in the hunt, as you pointed out, the gala. He had a very, very good weekend of the finishing tied for eighth. You're, you're the college guy. You're the guy who watches these guys closely enough who would you point out of those 27 guys to watch I would have said Davis Riley um and he's kind of fallen on hard times uh recently he was a stud he was he was rooming with Will Zalatoris they kind of had this friendly here we go rivalry um in which they were seeing which 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 player was going to get to three wins first (laughs) and ended up 
uh, funny enough, not being any of them. Uh, Will Zalatoris played his way on the, onto the PGA Tour uh, basically through his play at the U.S. Open and other spots starting the PGA Tour while, while Davis Raleigh remains stuck on two wins. And just kind of – he just kind of went through the motions uh, during the summer, did not play particularly well. Uh, but I think if Justin Thomas uh, vouches for this kid's talent, um, I think he'll eventually turn around and have a very, very good uh, PGA Tour career. Look, this, this Sahith Thakala kid is, is the real deal. I mean, you don't win the Haskins Award uh, just, just by chance. I mean, he had three wins – during his senior season at Pepperdine. Unfortunately for him, that was the year that got shortened uh, because of the COVID pandemic. The NCAA championship was wiped out. He didn't have a place to play. He eventually decided to turn pro rather than kind of uh, delay the inevitable uh, for another year and a half. And so it's good to see him um, kind of land on his feet. You know, a year and a half later, he's already on the PJ Tour uh, making some waves. His move is a little bit unorthodox, uh, but yeah, he's going to win multiple times in the PJ Tour. Um, and I don't think anything, I don't think anyone would, would, would doubt that. And he's fun. I mean, he's smart. He's funny. He's engaging with the media. I covered when he qualified for the U S open, I was at the golf longest day tournament where he was uh qualifier, where he was playing in Ohio. He made my longest day enjoyable. And, and so I, I think he's a he, he wonderful has, kid. Yeah. 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 He's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's do it. What, what names you got for buy, sell, hold? At Delta, we know Mike and HC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, HC is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. So I don't want this to just be buys. I want you to actually go out on a limb. I know, like, normally when you do this, you, you take, like, the smallest gamble possible. So I have – so the reason why we're doing this, uh, for those of you listening, is – we actually have a pretty good field assembled here uh, at the Shriners. You have 11 of the top 25 players in the world. Actually, I think it's 10 of the top 25 with Kevin Na, uh, WD. But suffice to say, it's, it's, it's one of the best fields that we're going to see during the fall when we're expecting a lot of these superstars to sit out and recover after the super season. And so this is a great chance to kind of look ahead, forecast for this season that is, that is now uh, starting to begin in earnest. And so I'm going to throw out some names, Rex. You're going to buy their stock. You're going to hold their stock or you are going to sell their stock. In other words, you think they're going to improve, they're going to remain the same. I mean, you didn't know this since you don't play. Uh, Or you're going to sell. In other words, they're going to have a down year. Uh, John Rahm, the world number one. You buying, you holding, or are you selling? Oh, I'm buying. I mean, come on. World number one. You're uh, buying more. Is it possible to buy more? No. I mean, I guess the hold would be the other option. I'm not doing anything other than just banking every possible dime I have on John Rom because all he's done is proven time and time again that he's ready for not just to be world number one, not just to win major championships, but he has the look of a multiple major winner. So I'm buying whatever is left. I'm buying more. That was actually a trick question. I'm buying more too. And this is a guy who finished first question? in scoring average, first in top tens, first in official money, first in birdie average, first strokes gained to green, first strokes gained total, first in world ranking. And he kind of got screwed out of player of the year. Uh, because Patrick Cantlay played great in the FedEx Cup playoffs and won the Tour Championship, even though he did not have the lowest 72-hole score. That was John Rahm as well as Kevin Na. So I'm buying John Rahm for the sole purpose that he showed us at the Ryder Cup. He is by far and away the best player in the world. And now that he has one major, he's showed himself that he can do it, and he did it in the uh, most macho way possible with birdies on 17 and 18. Uh, Yeah, 
John Rom is going to win a major in 2022. Would not be surprised if he wins two. Another player. He's going to be featured in that match that we discussed. Bryson DeChambeau, you buying, you holding, or are you selling for this upcoming season? I'm holding, but it's a reluctant hold. And, and here's why. He, for all the things he does that's entertaining, and we, we spent the first part of the podcast asking about the bad, talking about the bad things he does, for all the good things he does, which is hit a 417-yard drive at the Ryder Cup, wildly entertaining. That brand of golf seems to transition over to major championship courses well enough as his U.S. Open victory at the uh, last fall proved he doesn't I just don't think long term he's going to hold up health wise so I have some serious concerns so it's going to be a hold but it's a mm, it's a loose hold uh I'm a hold uh kind of veering towards sell me too um, Bryson is still going to get his like <laughs> we 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 put a lot into his transformation and and to become this this different player the fact of the matter is he has always been a very good golfer like he's, he was a very good junior golfer. He was a great college player, won the NCAA championship. He has won a bunch on the PGA Tour already. I believe he already has eight PGA Tour wins, including that major at the 2020 U.S. Open. Like he has always been a good golfer. And just because of his skill set, he is going to win one or two times each year on the PGA Tour. But the reason why I'm kind of veering towards sell is that this long drive stuff was obviously compelling. And we didn't even get into it. The fact that he was hitting – 400-yard drives and he, his, his, his run in the world championships of long drivers. Not just long drivers on the PGA Tour. Like He's already established himself as that guy. These are the longest drivers on the planet. And Bryson DeChambeau held his own and was a quarter finalist. Like It's absolutely r- ridiculous to think about. But to see Bryson, like he seemed happier in that competition than he does in a major championship. I, I think this was just the tip of the iceberg for him. I think it's only going to ramp up his interest in this type of pursuit, I, I think there's going to be some sort of detriment to his regular game on the PJ tour, whether he gets more wild, whether he gets um, injury a little bit more, a little bit more experimental. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he gets injured. Bryson can take his game to the next level with one way and one way only. It's not hitting it further. He already hits it farther. He already hits it plenty far. He is going to improve his game and take his game to the next level Win four or five times by improving his wedge play not by hitting the longest drive. So yeah, I'm going hold, kind of veering towards sell. The other part of that match is Brooks Kepka. You buying, you holding, or selling for the upcoming season? I'm selling for everything that we've, we've saw this season, right? I mean, he is injury prone. I mean, we talked about Bryson being injury prone, but there haven't been any major injuries. Brooks, when he is 100% healthy, he has proven time and time again, he can do special things in major championships, otherworldly things, Tiger-esque, type things in major championships when he's healthy. That's a huge asterisk at this point in his career. And he's not a young man anymore. He just didn't show up on tour. It's not like he's got 20 years ahead of him to figure this out. They just continue to pile and pile and pile on. So that's a concern I'm selling. He's 31 years old. He has a body of a 41-year-old. Uh, it seems an exaggeration, but you get my what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I guess we should have consulted earlier on this. I'm actually a sell on Brooks as well. I mean, he said it himself at the Ryder Cup. He said he's like glass. I mean, he's had so many injuries over his past couple of years. You think back even to 2016, I remember him kind of injuring his ankle and, and, and gritting through the PGA Championship just so he could uh, play on his first U.S. Ryder Cup team. I mean, he's had ankle issues. He's had issues with both knees. He's had hip issues. He's had wrist issues. Um, I'm, he's had neck issues. I mean, there is not a body part that Brooks Kepka 
has not injured the wear and tear of a long PJ Tour season. We've kind of gone uh, and, and talked about how he's he's certainly gone through the motions at regular PJ Tour stops. I think that that disinterest will only continue, especially as his bank account swells. He has not been the same player necessarily in the majors. He has not won a major since 2019 at the PGA Championship. He's also had a couple of opportunities to add to his major haul and has not done so. So, yeah, I think Brooks Kepka is is somewhat obvious sell for this season, although Rex, he's made fools out of us before. Um, and he could I hope he does. Again. He's, he's fun season. to watch. I mean, when he's healthy, he, he's making us look foolish. That's fun. That's entertaining golf. My boy, Jordan Spieth. Uh, buying, holding, or selling for the upcoming season? I'm going to hold, and it's a, it's, a, it's a very cautiously optimistic hold because obviously what we saw out of him the last year, I'll even go back maybe a year and a half, of his ability to play his way out of that deep, dark slump that he had found himself in. He, he showed flashes of Jordan Spieth again this year, but you want to see them before I, I, I go all in for, for buying more. So I'm going to go with a hold simply because I feel like he's back. I feel like he, he's back somewhere close to being the Jordan Spieth of old, but I do need to see it in the eye test again. Uh, I am buying, and the reason I'm buying is because he's a wildly different player than he was just this time last year. You think, well, I saw him at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, which was essentially 12 months ago at this point. He was absolutely lost. He knew that he was going to get exposed uh, at the U.S. Open on a golf course that difficult and a setup that punishing. He knew it. He had zero confidence, and it did not it predictably – did not go well. It was all the way until basically the first of the year where Jordan Spieth kind of questioned his direction. He no longer has questions about the direction he is headed. I know he did not play his best golf at the Open Championship. The playoffs are a little bit of a letdown. I think he'd be the first to agree that he didn't play his best at the Ryder Cup as well. But his long game uh, is no longer a massive work in progress. It's fine-tuning here or there uh, that's going to get him back to where uh, he wants to go. And now he can actually focus on the part of his game that used to have kind of bail him out, uh, and that is his putting. I think you give him a couple months at home, um, I think he will be an even more improved player uh, in 2022. Justin Thomas, uh, I think probably by his estimation, a disappointing year uh, on the PGA Tour, and that's hard to say for a guy who had a good weekend and won the Players' Championship. Uh, He has traded in Jimmy Johnson, a Hall of Fame caddy, uh, for Jim Bones, Makai, you buying, you holding, or are you selling Justin Thomas for 2022? Probably holding. I don't think the caddy situation is either going to be a detriment or a positive. As you pointed out, Jimmy Johnson is a Hall of Fame caddy. It's not as though those two did not enjoy plenty of success together. Bones, again, Hall of Fame caddy. I think he's glad to be back uh, between the ropes full time now as a caddy again. I don't think there's a drop off. Both of them are very, very good caddies. Uh, the thing with, with JT, I was surprised by his inconsistency this year. You, you alluded to it. Because he certainly has the talent. We've seen him perform on the biggest stages. But there was a, a level of not being able to get it done week in and week out at the biggest events when you expect him to do it that was missing this season. So it's a hold. He's a hold for me as well. I want to buy because I basically picked Justin Thomas. If you listen to this podcast, over the past years, I, picked, I, picked, I picked Justin Thomas to win PJ to a player of the year uh, just because I believe he is the most well-rounded player, at least until John Rahm kind of took – Elevated. Will he win PGA Tour Player of the Year this season? Are you going to be doing it again? No, that's going to be Rom. I mean, Rom's Rom's good is better than JT's good. Uh, I think right. I think that was what 2021 
showed. The reason why I'm a hold with Justin Thomas, he needs he needs to figure out his putting. He's he's been with John Graham now for the past year. This was one of the worst years that he has had on the greens. He's never been necessarily a great putter, um, but he's never struggled the way that he struggled in 2021. And even his ball striking got a little bit off, perhaps because he was paying so much time. Uh, in attention to his putting. He said he's figured things out. He said he's been trying to be more creative and more reactive uh, with his putting. To me, it's really hard to learn how to be a great putter. That is something that it, it's it's a dark art, and it seems like you're kind of ingrained with that. Like Jordan Spieth has always been a great putter. Justin Thomas has always been a substandard putter, if not slightly above average. Uh, he needs to return to that, and until he does, uh, he is very much a hold. Uh, Rex, the final one. I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about him. He was a PJ Tour Player of the Year, for God's sake. Uh, that is Patrick Cantley. You buying? You holding? You selling? Uh, oh, I'm buying. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't do this with Rory because um, I was sitting. Oh, here, I, I forgot about Rory. All right, all right. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be I a bonus. Rory Sorry. was. Uh, Sorry. All right, because Rory was going to be my only sell just to let the cat out of the bag. I'm just gonna let you know. I'm, I'm selling wow, Rory. T- uh, all right, we're gonna have to get into that. Uh, well, I mean, it has to be. Look, I'm in the bag for Rory. I'll be the first to admit it, but. I mean, I think I brought this up after the Ryder Cup. He is the most inconsistent star player in the game right now. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, Patrick Cantley is the exact opposite. He, he's, I mean, I wouldn't say he's more consistent than John Rahm, but he certainly has proven head-to-head against John Rahm and anyone else that he can perform. I don't know that he's going to become a five-win, maybe one or two majors a year kind of guy, but he's going to be a top-five guy year in and year out, so I'm buying that. That sounds like a good stock. Um, I'm not sure you, you – well, actually, you clearly don't understand how the stock market works in that you want to uh, buy low, uh, sell high. Patrick Kentley would be high. Uh, Roy McIlroy would be low, and yet you were doing the exact uh, opposite of what you would be doing. I'm with you. Patrick Kentley, he might, he might lack some of the explosiveness, I guess, of a John Rahm, certainly, or a JT. Uh, he kind of strikes me as that Kyle Morikawa guy who's – who's probably going to get his two or three times a year. He's always going to be there. His game certainly seems fine-tuned for the majors. I mean, the majors is what's going to define Patrick Cantlay's 2022 season. There's no uh, other way around it. He's in the prime of his career. He's done everything on the PJ Tour except really give um, a down-to-the-finish-line type of performance in a major. He had an opportunity at the 2019 Masters and was unable to get it done. Other than that, his, his major record has been – a little bit spotty. And so I'm holding because I want to see what his major record is going to look like for Roy McIlroy. You are selling, you say, because he's the most inconsistent superstar on the PJ tour. His stock is already low. Uh, He's outside the top 10 uh, in the world rankings, which is where he's resided for the most part of his career. Why are you selling what is already a lower stock? I just don't. Well, apparently I don't understand how the stock market works, which is no big surprise. I think my wife could have attested to that before we even started this game. When it comes to Rory, however, and maybe the Ryder Cup was the perfect microcosm of this, like such high expectations. You knew Rory was going to show up. This is the most important event to him and and the rest of the Europeans. And he just laid a big fat egg. I mean, he was the emotion that he showed on Sunday was a direct result of how poorly he played. I just don't know. Any other way to point out that the guy still has all the skills. You still love to see him when he's driving the ball well, see what he can do to a golf course. But in this particular case, it's hard not to sell him because you just don't see him being the player he was. How many years is it since he won a major? Five years now? 
Uh, try seven going on eight. Seven going on eight. Yeah, he's a sell. Roy McIlroy is 32 years old. You are saying that it is over for Rory. He will never recapture his past greatness. He will never be the player he once was. That's what you're saying nope. at age 32. Nope, not saying that. Nope, nope, nope. Not going to let you drag me down into that hole. I'm not saying that again. When he is on, when he does those Rory things, he's still fun to watch. I mean, I'm But you're not saying writing. he's not going to. You're saying he is not going to do that. From a how, how, how are you not just, saying it's over? He's just too inconsistent for me to buy. In, in this little game that we're playing that you created in your mind, He's too inconsistent for me to buy simply because you don't know what you're going to get from him right now. Does that mean that he's not going to be able to figure it out? Absolutely not. Low stock. Of course you buy it. Of course you're buying Rory for 2022. He's already. Give me a number. Like what am I? What are these penny stocks now? (laughs) I mean, Rory's at least worth a nickel stock, isn't he? But I think, I I think Rory will have a bounce back in 2022. I always get frustrated and, and I'm, I'm as much, a part of this problem as, as anyone, because when you work for a daily website and you need to talk about things, you need to have stuff on the website. You need to ask these players after every single round, what worked, what didn't work and kind of take a, take a a 30,000 foot view of where they are in their career. Basically every single tournament, we're all prisoners of the moment. And so it drives me nuts that we just can't let these players go through their swing change. He's obviously working through stuff, with swing coach P count. It's too early at this point to call what they're working on, either a failed experiment or say that he's on the right track. It has been a, it has been a minute. I'm a little bit surprised that we didn't see something quicker because P count was kind of supposed to tap into Rory's genius and get him back swinging the way uh, that he used to. He did have moments where he popped up and played well. He did win at Wells Fargo, which was probably came on a little bit uh, sooner than he anticipated. He did have an opportunity to win the U S open at Torrey Ponds. Yes, he is, con- he is inconsistent, but that's true of anyone who is going through a swing coach. I trust Rory. I trust his genius. I trust Pete Cowan. Uh, most importantly, I think Rory will bounce back in 2022. But again, that may just be the optimist in me. Just give him time. We do not give these people time. So you're buying right now. Like to, that yes. was a very, very long winded. Yes. yes, I am buying. I am buying Rory for 2022. Okay. Okay. Well, he actually, he that. actually now has time to work. Like if, all right, if you think about it during the PJ tour season, what's the most time off that he gets probably three weeks. I see he what you're has, saying with Pete Cowan. He probably now, has argument- three weeks off. He probably has three weeks off during the season where he's just coming off a long stretch. Those star players, they typically put their clubs away for a week. They go be a dad. They go do whatever they want to do to decompress. And then they start to pick it back up again. There is zero time to actually work on something. That's probably the, the biggest drawback of this wraparound schedule. Roy now has that time. And I see what you're saying. The argument at the time was that Pete worked with Rory when he was a junior for the, the UK junior team that, that they essentially had the same swing thoughts. They had the same swing philosophies that this wasn't going to take time. Clearly that wasn't the case. And it probably has a lot to do with what you just said. The fact of the matter is they haven't had time really sit down and work through this. I'm sure Pete Cowan is going to spend a good portion of his fall in South Florida working with Rory and figuring this out. That still being said, again, the eye test. I, I, I want to see it. I think golf is at its best when we do see it, but I'm going to have to before I buy. All right, before we get out of here, we haven't done this in the last couple of weeks. And seeing how Georgia football looks like it's about to conquer the world, if not only Alabama. What do you, uh, what's on the grill this week, Left? 
Uh, it has been a it has been a dire week. So I've been doing uh, College oh, Central no. and Golf Central because of uh, we have a blessings a collegiate invitational on our air. So I've been doing some of those pre and post game shows. So I have not grilled in several days. This might be the we're talking about Rory's majorless drought. This might be the longest drought I've had uh, since firing up the grill. Last show is today. Today's Wednesday. Uh, so I'm going absolutely insane uh, over the next couple of days. We're gonna have ribs. We're gonna have chicken. Um, I'm thinking about delving into the brisket game. George's got a big rivalry game, rivalry ding, uh, against Auburn, three thirty Eastern time, uh, on CBS. It's going to be big. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on. I'm going to do some filet mignons. I think I'm just going to fire up every grill that I have just because I've gone so long without firing up. And just for like perspective, I've gone five days without firing up a grill. And that's probably the longest I think I've, I've gone in the last several years. Five. Is it filet mignons Five. or just filet mignon? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be mignon be, be the plural? No. I mean, okay. is the plural version of filet mignon filet mignon? I, I, mean, octopus, I have no idea. Octopi? I don't know. Someone, right. someone respond to us in the, in our, in our, in our Twitter replies. What the uh, plural version of filet mignon is what, so what are you, what are you firing up? Uh, I think I'm going to do ribs this week. I, I have stumbled upon, thanks to your expertise, the perfect way to do ribs. My family is all in. Which is? Please please, please share with the audience. I, I cooked them too long. Uh, I didn't cook them hot enough. Like, I always wanted to keep it right at 200, and I wanted to sit there for five hours and wait for it to, to, to drag on. I didn't wrap them quickly enough. I didn't rotate them enough. So all the things just I was a com- doing Just wrong. a comedy of errors. Just a, yes, I was just stumbling along, blindly ruining rack after rack after ribs of ribs. Uh, so, yes, I'll definitely do some ribs this weekend. That will do it for this Golf Central podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Check out next week's pod when we recap the Shriners Children's Open. 275 ribs, folks. you got to render that fat. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight... Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply.